There is a lot for us to talk through. There's a lot for us to uh, experience. But I want to be clear today. I believe that the Lord has given me a word that he wants to impart to you. And I believe it is a calling to you and to me to step out into faith. I think that the Father is ready for us. He is ready for us to walk in our journey. And to me today's message is not a message of suggestions. Today's message is a message of obedience. Today's message is a message of faith. And it's a message of moving forward. And so I ask that today you would, you would really give your full attention to the Holy Spirit and what he wants to say to you. Because it is a bold focused, clear message that God is wanting you to step into a double portion of his spirit. I believe that the church today has been living in an anemic way, anemic from the power of God and what he wants to do. And today I believe he has a double portion. He has a double portion for me. He has a double portion for you. And so let's be certain to open our hearts and our minds to receive that. This week, God has taken me to the story of Elisha and in the moments when he first received his anointing. But before we go there, we're going to go into two different locations in Scripture. The first location will be Ephesians 3, verse 20. And then the second will be 2 Kings, chapters 2 and chapters 4. So be prepared to uh, look those up in your, in your Bibles. But first I want to go to Ephesians 3.20. Paul has a word to the Ephesian people, and he wants them to know about this God that he loves and serves so, so much, and the one that has immeasurably more to give. And this is what Paul says, now to him, meaning now to God, who is able to do immeasurably more, would you say those words with me? Immeasurably more than we can all than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And to him be the glory in the church. It's his power, his glory in the body of Christ, in the church. And it's at work in Christ Jesus throughout all generations from the day that the church was first formed to today and forward. There is a power, an immeasurably more power that God has for the body of Christ and for us as believers. You know, I love what we have, um, what we have said and what we hear in the Amplified Version. He, it is writ written this way, I believe and God and, and Paul is saying to, that God is able to do super abundantly, super abundantly, far above, over and above all that we dare to ask or think. Now, I know I don't always ask for big things, but I equally know I don't ask for big things because I don't think I can have big things. I don't think about God wanting to do the super abundance over and above anything I could ever imagine or dream. I don't think about the reality that I have a Father in heaven that longs to give me immeasurably more than I could ever imagine or think or conjure up in my mind. This is God. So I want you to turn to your neighbor now and say, 
my God is able to do immeasurably more. Go ahead. Amen. He is. And equally, it is important for us to remember this truth, that God loves us. The creator of this universe, your creator, the one who created and knit you together in your mother's womb, the one who had your story planned from the beginning of time and before. He is the one who super abundantly loves you more than you can ever ask, dream, or imagine. This is the God we serve. This is who he is. Amen. Let's praise the Lord. This is our Father. And this is the one we're going to look at today. We are going to look at our God and see him in the face of reality of taking on a mantle of leadership. Now today, if you're facing difficult times and desperate moments, you may be in a place where you're in a marriage. That is one of those marriages that you're going, I'm not sure if I can take this. I'm not certain if I can, if I can take this journey for the long haul. Or maybe you have a child that has absolutely torn your heart up. Maybe you have a desire to be married, and God hasn't fulfilled that yet for you. Maybe there's an illness that is literally kicking the life out of you, and you're sick and tired of this illness in your life. Or maybe you're sitting here today, and you're comparing yourself and thinking, mm, that's really not me. You know, my life isn't so bad. I have a question for you. Do you want to miss anything God has for you? I don't care if life is great, and I don't care if life is hard, and everything in between. I don't want to miss a thing God has for me. And I believe that's true for you. I believe you don't want to miss a thing that God has in store for you because our God loves us and he is able to do immeasurably more than what we could ever dream or imagine. This message is for us today. It is for the church. It is for his people. It is a message of truth and relevance for us as we live out our everyday life. And so let's dig in and find out about this story of Elisha. This will, you will find in 2 Kings chapter 2. But before we do that, I want to set a little bit of context about Elisha and who he was. Now, before Elisha met up with Elijah, he was a farmer and a man after my own heart. He was one of those guys that I looked at because I married a farmer and I thought, I like farmers. They're good guys. And he was a man who was in a significant, uh, incredibly important family business. It says in the scripture in 1 Kings where Elijah first meets Elisha that he had 12 yoke of oxen. Now that's kind of the equivalent today of those huge big four-wheel drive tractors with the big huge implements and things that they put on those tractors. And as you, as you drive out in western Kansas, you see these monstrous, monstrous big equipment. Well, that's kind of the life he had. That's who he was. That was very unlikely for most people to have 12 yoke of oxen. But here was Elisha, and he was plowing the field. And Elijah, the prophet of God, who was the prophet to the people of Israel, comes up to Elisha because God had 
pinpointed Elisha to be Elijah's successor. And Elijah walks up out there in the field. He gets on the tractor. He goes, I'm coming in that tractor. And he goes, I am getting in this tractor because I am putting my mantle, the mantle of being prophet upon your shoulders. Now, when we think about mantle, this wasn't just a figurative type of thing. A mantle in that day was a literal cloak, kind of like a priestly robe that Elijah wore. And it separated him. It distinguished him from all the other people in his, in his location. It distinguished him. When he walked down the journey and would walk into a city, they would know that he was a prophet of God by the very mantle he wore. And by taking off that mantle and putting it on Elisha's shoulders in the middle of the field while he's still out there plowing, Elijah is saying something very specific. This is the man that will be the successor. This is the man who God has called to walk as prophet to the people of Israel. And in that moment, Elisha goes and takes that oxen, and he takes that plow, and he cuts up the plow, and he kills the oxen, and he sacrifices his way of life in order to go forward and move with God. At that point, we're told that he became an attendant to Elijah. So he walked with Elijah. He talked with Elijah. He saw everything that went on with Elijah. He watched Elijah's relationship with God. He watched the miracles that Elijah performed. He heard and saw this relationship that Elijah had. Now let's fast forward it for just a few minutes and look at the very last days of Elijah. Elijah is preparing to go home. And Elisha is clinging to his master, clinging to him. It's like, don't leave. I'm not ready. I am not prepared to take on this mantle, this mantle that you say I am to receive. I am not ready. And he clings to Elisha. He walks with him. They go to Bethel. They go to Jericho. And then they show up at the edge of the Jordan River. Now, this Jordan River, this location is so important. It is so important to the people of Israel because it was at that location where Joshua received his mantle of leadership from Moses. It was at that location where Joshua says, step into the water, and the water parted, and they crossed over on dry, dry ground into their land of promise. After 40 years of being in the wilderness... That was the location that they crossed over. And now Elijah and Elisha stand at the Jordan River. Elijah takes off that mantle. He rolls it up. And he takes that mantle and he strikes the Jordan River. And the moment the Jordan River is struck with this mantle, it is separated. And Elisha and Elijah walk over. And they're walking together, and they're talking. And Elisha still knows he is not ready. He is not even close to feeling ready to take up this new position of being prophet. So now let's pick up the story from that point at verse 9. And it says, 
When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha says, Please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Now can you imagine having the fourth forethought to be able to ask for a double portion? You have watched this relationship between God and Elijah. You have watched miracles. You have seen this relationship, this face-to-face relationship that Elijah has with God himself. And he is asking for a double portion of that spirit. And it's interesting. Here is when Elijah comes up and says, you have asked for a hard thing. Elisha, you are asking for something I can't give you. I don't have the capacity to give you a double portion of what I've been given. You are asking me for something I cannot do. But Elijah goes and says, there is a nevertheless. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken up from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, if you don't see me, it shall not be so. Folks, our first point in this is we're to ask for double portion of the Spirit of God. We're to ask Him for all that He wants to give us. We're to ask for it from this God who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever dream or imagine. We are to ask for a double portion of him. We are to ask him to give us more than we could ever imagine or even think or conjure up in our mind that he would want to give. Now, there are some things in life that I really don't want a double portion of. First thing that comes to mind is canned spinach. As far as I'm concerned, that's like algae in a can. It's gross. There's nothing good about it. But if you were to ask me if I wanted a double portion of fried chicken, I'd say, "Mm mm-hmm, absolutely, absolutely. Now, has anybody ever heard of gooseberry pie? I think if you're only from Missouri, that's the only ones that ever hear from gooseberry pie. Gooseberry pie is the nastiest stuff in the world. These gooseberries are so tart and so sour, you could not add enough sugar to make it sweet. They're gross. So if you offered me a double portion of gooseberry pie, I'd say, no, thank you. But if you offered me a double portion of coconut meringue pie, now I would take you up on that. Somewhere along the line, I think the enemy has come into our mindset and into our thinking that we really don't want a double portion of God. Somewhere along the way, I believe he has tricked us into believing we can't trust this God who loves us, who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever dream or imagine, that we would ever want a double portion of him. Who knows what he might ask? You don't want a double portion of him. He may have something that he wants you to sacrifice. He may have oxen and plows that he wants you to sacrifice. You don't want a double portion of him. And I am here today to say, you want to get rid of the oxen and the plows in order 
to step into that double portion God has for you. You're going to want it because it is abundant and it is full and it is complete and it is good. And it comes from the heart of a good and loving father. You want a double portion of what he has to give you. In, uh, going on with verses 11 through 12, it goes on to say, And as they, being Elisha and Elijah, were going along, they have crossed over the Jordan and they're going along, they're talking, and behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind in heaven. And guess who saw it? Elisha. Elisha saw it. Remember what Elijah said. If you see me taken up, you will indeed have a double portion. Elisha saw it. It must have been the most amazing, beautiful moment in his life to know in that time and in that place, God was indeed delivering a double portion of his spirit to him. He saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. I see it. I see it. I see him coming to get you. I see it. And he saw Elijah no more. At that moment, at that moment, that transition from being attendant to the prophet became real that he became prophet in the country of Israel and to its people. Then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them to pieces. You know, there have been moments in my life where I have stood and, and relished those moments of being able to stand underneath and beside someone else's anointing and someone else's authority. I have had the privilege of being able to walk beside my husband and stand in his authority. I have had the privilege of seeing what God was going to do in and through him and what he has done in the lives of so many people. I have had the opportunity to be at the side but not at the end of the spear, not to be the point of the spear. And there came a day in my life when God said, I am calling you out for your own double portion of the Spirit because now there is something I am calling you to do to be the point of that spear. And I was fearful. The enemy was telling me all kinds of things. And I was fearful to step into that place. I was fearful to ask. And it was amazing what God did even in the midst of the moments when I wouldn't ask. It was amazing to watch him provide. At Hope Ranch for Women, where we help those who are exploited to rise above their challenges and their issues, it's been amazing to see the resources of people, the resources of money, the resources of time and talent and treasure to just be poured out into this ministry. And I am here to tell you that today, this day, Hope Ranch, the ministry that God has started, is indeed debt-free. It is ready and prepared. That house sits on 20 acres that has been beautifully manicured, cleaned up, a house that is all prepared and ready. But I stand at another Jordan. 
I stand at another Jordan this day, and I stand before you telling you, it is taking as much faith to speak these words out to you as it is the day back five years ago when he started this in me. You see, we don't have the resources yet to be able to open this house. The house itself is ready, but financially we're not. And I sat with this scripture today, this week, and I said, God, what am I to ask for? And he goes, ask me, just ask me. And I said, okay, all right, I'll ask. And I asked for three times the amount of what God had already given. You know what his word to me was? He said, Kathy, that's not enough. And I'm going, well, then, Lord, what do you want me to ask for? He goes, I want you to ask for a hundred times. A hundred times. I am not the God of just three times. I am the God of a hundred times. I am the God who doubles and multiplies everything that I have given to you. And you are called to speak this out. Now, to stand here before you, it scares the absolute life out of me to say those words. What, you know, the enemy is saying, well, what if he doesn't? You just stood in front of a bunch of people and declared that what God told you to say. But that's not my God. That's the enemy. That's the enemy saying those things. You see, the enemy wants to steal and destroy what he gives, what the Lord gives. So remember, we are to ask. Secondly, we are to take up that double portion. We are to lift up that double portion, walk into it, receive it, stand in it, immerse ourselves in that double portion of his spirit. In verses 13 and 14, it says, He, being Elisha, also took up the mantle. Remember, that mantle that, that separated and distinguished Elijah from all the rest of the people. He took up that mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and he returned, and he stood at the bank of the Jordan. And he took that mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and he struck the waters, and he said, Where is the Lord? the God of Elijah. And when he also had struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. You need to remember that while Elisha was coming back to the Jordan, that very place where Elijah struck the water, on the other side of the Jordan were prophets watching and wondering and waiting and saying, is God going to give Elisha the same double portion. And there's Elisha. And he has this mantle in his hands. And the only thing he knows to do is the very thing he watched his master do. He took that mantle. He rolled it up. And he struck the water. And the water parted. And Elisha walked over on dry ground. It says that the prophets even said... Yes, Elisha does indeed have the spirit of Elijah living within him. He does indeed. He is now the man of God that is created to be the successor of Elijah. You and I have a specific mantle 
that has been ordained, created, specially fitted for you and for me. It's a mantle that God would create and knit together because he knows who you are. You see, he knows who you're married to. There's no one else married to your spouse. He knows who you're going to be mom or dad to because there is no one else that he's created to be that child's mom or father. He knows where you're going to work. He knows the friends you're going to have. He knows the family that you were born into. And there is a very special mantle that he has just for you to go out into the world and take his presence with you and to absolutely share it with the world. People are watching. Do you ever feel that pressure of people watching? Is there ever a temptation to hide your mantle? Is there ever a temptation to just kind of take it off and say, today I really don't want this? Is there ever that temptation to go and say, I think I'm going to put this on a hanger and put it in my closet? Today, no matter what doubt or anxiety or fear you may have coming your way, God is calling you and he's calling me to put on our mantle. What if Elisha had taken that mantle and decided, you know what, I'm going to take it home, I'm going to put it in a box, and I'm going to store it. What if he had decided, maybe I'll put it in a shadow box and put it in Elijah's museum? Do we treat the Word of God as if it's a museum for yesterday and not for today? Do we treat the truth of what God has said and wanted to give us as if it was for somebody in the past, but it has nothing to do with us today? No. We treat it as the truth. We treat it and receive it and accept it and live it and allow it to live out through us because God has given us an authority, an identity, and a purpose, and no one else has been given that. You see, Elisha walked into that authority. He walked into that identity, and he walked into the purpose the minute he took up that mantle and he hit the Jordan. And he crossed over, and he knew from that time forward he was indeed the called man of God to be the prophet for his day because he knew that his God was able to do immeasurably more, super abundantly more than we could ever dream or imagine. Today, we have to stop agreeing with the enemy. We have to stop agreeing with his lies. The lies that says, well, you know, that double portion thing, it's only for a few people. It's really not for me. He doesn't do that today. He doesn't do that now. He doesn't give a super abundant portion of his spirit today. That was for way back when. Or we may believe we're not the called ones. That's for those who get paid to do what they do and stand on that platform. Or we may even believe that these lies, that everyone else is better and they deserve it more than I do. Or we may think they're more qualified than we are. Or the best one yet is, God wouldn't ask me to walk in that kind of faith. He calls all of us to journey into that faith. We must stop agreeing with the enemy so that he cannot steal our authority, so that he will not kill our identity, and so that he will not destroy our purpose.
You see, that's what he longs to do. He longs to steal your, your authority. He longs to kill your identity. And he longs to destroy your purpose. And God is saying, nope, not today. Not today. Not this time and not at this place. Now with that authority and with that taking up the double portion, there comes a responsibility. And that responsibility is to lead others into that double portion living. And for this, I want to take us to chapter 4 of 2 Kings. And here I'm just going to tell you about this story of a widow who comes in, into a context and into a conversation with Elisha. This widow has just lost her husband, and her husband revered the Lord. He was the son of a prophet in his, in his community. They had feared the Lord. They had walked with the Lord. But as a widow and as a woman... She did not have the covering and the security and the care of a man watching over her. And in the midst of that, she has two sons, two children, it says. And in the moment of grief and heartache, a creditor, a debtor, comes knocking on her door. And we see one of the oftentimes when when we see the potential of another human being being enslaved by someone else. And the creditor longs to take these children and make them his slaves, to pay off the debt of the father. And in that moment, she cries out. She cries out to Elisha, and she just all she does is tell him her story. And Elisha says these words, What do you want from me? What can I do to help? And he looks at her and he goes, what can I do to help you? And, and what do you have in your house? She replies, your maidservant only has a little bit of oil and that's it. I have nothing else. I only have just this little bit of oil. And Elisha goes and says, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to every single neighbor in your community. That means in this small town, she knocked on every door because it was a small little community, a little village. And he goes, I want you to go and gather every single vessel you can get your hands on. I want you to take all of those vessels and I want you to put them in your house. I want you to bring your sons into the house. I want you to close the door. And then I want you to begin to pour. So she takes that vial, she knocks on every door, she gathers these vessels, and she closes the door behind her, and she takes the vial of oil, and she begins to pour. And that first vessel rises up with oil. She tells her, tells her sons, bring me another one. And the next vessel rises with oil. And, he, and she goes, bring me another one, and bring me another one. And she kept filling up all of these vessels with the oil of this little itty-bitty container. And she filled those vessels. And she said to her son, bring me another one. And he goes, that's all there is, Mom. And the oil stopped flowing. In the midst of that moment, she really didn't know what to do with all of this oil. A big chicken fry? I don't know. But anyway... She took hold of that oil, but she went, she went back. She went back to the man. She went back to Elisha, and she goes, what do I do? 
And he goes, sell that oil, and it will pay for your debt, and you and your sons will live on the rest. You see, as a woman in need, in desperate need, all she could see was her problem. My friends, she didn't even make an ask. All she could do was declare her problem. She didn't know what to ask for. We, at times in our desperation, don't know what to ask for. But God is good. God is so good. And he will give in moments when we don't know what to ask for. You see, God, God is the God who's able to do immeasurably more than what you and I could ever dream or imagine. You see, God has already given you a double portion. He has given you a double portion because he has saved you from your sins. And he has given you eternal life. That starts the moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You already have a double portion, my friends. And it is time to take it up and receive it and live in it and lead somebody else to their double portion living. I ought to be hearing amens. Come on. It's truth. This is who we are. This is who we are as followers of Christ. If you're sitting there doubting this, I can tell you who's there, sitting beside you, whispering in your ear. Because I've lived it I have lived in those moments of doubting. I have lived in that place of being the point of the Spirit and saying, God, if I take this mantle and strike this Jordan, if you don't show up, I am going to get all wet. You know, there are times that I believe we can keep our eyes on the problems or we can look to God Almighty himself. She didn't ask for anything. All she could see was her problem. And God was gracious. Elisha was the man with the double portion because he had asked for it. There are people who ask. There are people who just declare their problem. But both come. Both come to a good, good God, a Father who loves him. Both come, and God gives double portions. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what the past looks like. I don't know where you are presently. I don't know what you're dealing with. But God has a double portion for you. This day, he has a double portion for you. And he does not want you leaving here without receiving his double portion. You know, whatever you came in here with, whatever burdens, hurts, sorrows, issues, challenges, people that you don't like to be with, I don't care what you came in here with. You don't have to leave here with those same burdens. Because the God of the universe, your creator, your heavenly father is ready to give you a double portion. We must ask. There may be something you feel like you cannot overcome. Maybe you're comparing yourself to other people. Maybe you need a double portion of power to love someone who's been so incredibly hurtful to you.
Maybe you need a double portion of God's comfort because of a loss. Maybe you need a double portion of God's spirit to overcome the anxiety and the depression, your worries, your fears. Maybe you just feel like you've been living a powerless life. You know, something that always amazes me is how we talk about what we're gifted to do. How we're wired up and we got these giftings and these abilities. We've gone to school. We have training. And we have all of these things that we're capable of doing. But can you imagine if you even brought those things to the Lord and you asked for a double portion of His anointing and His Spirit upon those things? The miraculous that you would see? That if, if He doesn't show up, it doesn't get done? This is the one we serve, my friends. Today, you do not need to leave without your double portion. Today, you should not go home without receiving his doubly sweet, immeasurably more, super abundant above all we can ever dare to ask or think or imagine or conjure up in our head. That's who he is. Would you bow with me? Here at Eastside, we do three things. On a Sunday morning, we worship. We get into the Word and see what the life is and the food for our souls that we want to receive, that we need to receive, and we pray. We pray. And today... If you want a double portion of God's Spirit, I am going to ask that you move forward and you come to these altars and you receive the double portion He has for you. We're going to pray over you. There is no reason for you to go home with what you came in with. And there is no reason for you to leave this place empty. No reason to leave this house of God empty. There is a double portion in store with your name on it. We're going to sing a song. And I ask right now, Holy Spirit, you are moving among your people. And you are speaking to them. I am asking, Lord, that you would give them courage to ask, courage to take up, and courage to lead forth. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now, let's all stand. And I am going to tell you, do not wait to come up to this altar to receive that double portion. Don't wait. Don't wait. Come and receive the double portion that he has for you. There are people ready to pray with you. Let's receive that double portion that he has.